Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Wow. I feel like I'm preaching from the rec center up here. Just kind of the smell of the water coming off. I knew I was in a good church when I came in the lobby and there were wet footprints all the way across the lobby. <laughs> That's a good church. I brought my best Bible today. Ready to preach if I can see the print. It's like six font, but... Uh, I'm going to get it. Open to Colossians 1. This day's starting off good. I just spilled hot tea down my left leg. So if you see a wet patch back there, it's tea. It's not being 65, it's tea. So, (sighs) just a little clarification there. I want to talk a few minutes about um, something. Ah. expressing the true God. And I don't know if you've been aware, but there's a cultural battle going on right now. But beyond the cultural battle, there's a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual battle in America and around the world for the heart of freedom. And uh, we're seeing it expressed in political ways around the world. But if you've been around long enough, you you see through some of these things and understand there's something more nefarious behind this. There are evil entities. I know it's not popular to talk about it nowadays, but there is a a devil, Diablo. And he is out. The Bible gives his job description in many places. Probably the most famous one is he comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care about your children. He doesn't care about your finances, doesn't care about your physical body, doesn't care about your life. He is out for revenge, and he's after anyone who may or does follow the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. So so we all qualify for that, you know. But the cool thing is that Jesus came to give us life and give us life abundantly. And he said that we could tread upon serpents and scorpions, which is euphemistically, metaphorically speaking of the devil, that we can crush the powers of the enemy in our lives and we face those things every day. But here's the, here's the challenge I want to talk about in these next few moments. The challenge is part of what the devil does through so many different means is to cause people to misunderstand who God is. The Bible calls it the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is an ascending, almost mystical knowledge, but very real and very practical of who God is. And after a while, after walking for years in the kingdom, at least this should be the way it works, not always in the American church, but it should be, is that we begin to understand he is way better than what I ever imagined. I was at a party yesterday with some people outside. What a beautiful time. Had a lot of fun together. Eight things we shouldn't eat, but, and, but had a lot of fun, you know. And uh, we're outside at, at uh, Kim and Carl Snyder's house, beautiful day, we're there for hours. And I sat down and someone from the church uh, shared something with me, I won't tell you who it was, she might be here right now, but uh, she shared how that when she went through Freedom Weekend, and you all know what Freedom Weekend is, it's Kim uh, Snyder started this some years ago, way back and has really been ministering freedom and deliverance. And really, Kim, I mean, it's about displacing wrong thoughts in your heart and mind. What it's really about at the core is giving you a clear picture of the great mercy and love of God in each one of our lives. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, there's such a powerful love, a powerful love that we need so desperately right now, but we can't see. And the Lord raised up this thing called the church. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the church. Just tell them that. Say this to them. It's not the building. Tell them that. It's all about you. It's about me. It's about us together. All right, got that down? That is the church, the powerful church that Jesus said he would build and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. 
So I, I, I take courage in that. I take courage in the fact that he gave us his Holy Spirit in order to continually reveal the depths of Jesus Christ. So that my little misunderstanding, like this lady I talked to yesterday, she went to the Freedom Weekend, and she said, you know, she, she kind of had a church background, you know, she'd been involved in some ministry and things like that. But she said for the first time it just clicked, and I realized that the God I'd been serving was a little bit different than the God who was really there. That the God I served was like, you know, we all, all have seen this or heard this in our lifetime. He's the, the old guy upstairs, the man upstairs, with the lightning bolt in his hand. And he's following you around. He's got his eyes upon you. I remember once I was witnessing, talking to someone about Jesus at Panera. And I said, God's after you. I didn't realize how that sounded. And she goes, oh my, what did I do? And I thought, well, there, there you got it. You've got, you got the God view. You've got the knowledge of God right there. The American knowledge of God is that God is ticked. And if he finds out where I am, I'm in big trouble. Sounds like some of our parents. But really, that's, we, it's, it's, we're transferring it back and forth, you know, between God and our parents. And so what the Lord did is raised up a mighty church. Now, listen to this for a minute. A mighty church gave them the Holy Spirit in order that they can properly convey and reveal, because the Holy Spirit knows Jesus, properly convey and reveal who Jesus Christ really is. The Bible says when you see Jesus, you see the Father. So you can't say, I've got an Old Testament belief in a God. I'm not too sure about him. He opens the ground and swallows 35,000 people. Like, what chance do I stand? The God that opened up the waters, carried a million people through on dry ground, but when he got to a moment where he said, that's enough, he closed the waves up and the horse and riders drowned in the sea. I mean, he's just, it's like, it's like he's ticked off, he's angry, he's frustrated. Well, we're seeing the depths of the holiness of God and the love of God uh, standing uh, in a juxtaposition, standing next to one another and learning how to walk that path of understanding he's a holy God, but you will never find anyone that loves you more than God, the God of the universe, expressed in Jesus Christ. We're not sure about Old Testament God. New Testament, Jesus, I love Jesus. I've seen pictures of him. Lots of them. He's beautiful. His hair flows nice. He just came back from the beauty parlor. And it looks lovely. Every beard part looks just right. Yeah, he was from Galilee. You think he really looked like that? I mean, God bless medieval artists for what they drew. They drew out of the context of what they had. I'm convinced the first thousand years in heaven, we're going to stare at Jesus and go, oh. Wow. Either that or we're going to be laying on the ground, weeping our eyes out and rejoicing at the same time. <laughs> About a thousand years, we should be ready. But here on earth, there's sowing of lies. Every situation you go through, immediately a lie pops up into your mind. A governing lie that if you allow it to sit there, it will take a hold of who you are and where you are. I go to look at a lot of houses. My daughter, Lauren, is a real estate person. She calls me sometimes to go with her. I go with her. I've seen a lot of houses in Cleveland. And something you don't want is a tree planted near your house. Man, those roots go in, and you say, well, it's a small tree. Ten years from now, it's not a small tree. And you find out it's lifting sidewalks. It's moving through your cinder block in the basement. It's looking for water. It sniffs water out of your water line. It goes over there and pops it open and gets a drink. I mean, it's going all over your property and sometimes very overt, just popping up. We went to a place with a swimming pool in the backyard that was unusable the other day because of the big tree standing next to it. It saw that swimming pool day in and day out through the long summer days where it doesn't rain. It said, I am going to take a drink from that swimming pool. And sure enough, its arms just went out through that soil, subversively, no one knowing what was going on, popped up through the side of the cement. You ever walk down a cement uh, uh, sidewalk and you see a, a little flower popping up between the cracks? God bless those little flowers, you know. 
I mean, they find a way in the midst of it, right down to the flowers, up to the trees. They have force. They have time. They will take their time, and they will steal your money and steal your water from your house. <laughs> that is the kingdom of darkness. The devil is just like that. He'll wait 20 years, but he'll plant a seed now. He'll say, I'll be back in 20 years. Wait till you see what this produces. We cultivate it, we don't understand, we think it's okay, we leave it there, and eventually it erodes the very foundations of our life. So look at Colossians chapter 1, it's an amazing passage here. Honestly, I could read the whole chapter, but I, we don't have time for that. But just, just go with verse 3. I just, I just saw this yesterday, I actually had a whole other verse I was going to use for this message, and I, I like this. It says, we give thanks to God, verse 3, Colossians 1, God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now, I'm going to break a few rules here. Homiletical rules. should only read three verses. Take about 20 minutes to open up those three verses into three very cool, concise, relevant, interesting subtopics. Uh, we're not going to do that. Okay, so it says here in verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and in the love which you have for all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. There's bigger hope up there that is the carrot that is bringing you through this challenging life. It says the hope that is laid up for you in heaven where, oh, I picked up my new King James. Where ye <laughs> heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which has come unto you as it is in all the world. Now, this is something, if I could just sit on this for a minute, and I'll get back to it in a few moments. The gospel has been released in the world. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that is the opposing force of Diablo. Jesus, our Messiah, the faithful one. He's the author and the finisher, the beginning and the last, the beginning and the end of our faith. He will carry you right up to death's door. You will pass on, and immediately he'll be on the other side welcoming, welcoming you in heaven. I love it. You walk through the valley of shadow of death, but hey, he's, gonna, he's, he's already been in your future and prepared that table in the presence of your enemy. So he's with you. The hope of Christ is in you throughout your whole life. And it says, which, in, which is come unto you as it has all the world, and bringeth forth... <laughs> bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it. I got to change this as I go. I, I'm going to get on. Okay, since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Look at verse 7. And ye you use also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is for you, a faithful minister in Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Here's what he's saying, really. He's saying it's all been blasted out in nature, everything around you, the guy you're going to meet tomorrow afternoon, the Zoom call you're having. He's waiting and all those things to express himself. And if you awaken enough in your spirit and you have all possibilities and all probabilities to do that, if you quicken yourself to be spiritually minded rather than fleshly minded, when you're spiritually minded, you will see some things you didn't know were there before. And God will encourage you in the midst of all that we've been through over the past couple of years throughout the United States and around the world, there is hope on the other end of that and there's hope right now inside of your heart. So he says he declared it to us, love in the spirit for, for this cause also we since the day we heard of it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled. Listen to what he's praying. What are we praying about? We desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So, so Paul's desire is that we might know Christ, that we might know what God is really like, and that actually we'd be conformed into that image, not the 1950s image that was predominant in the church uh, of a Turner Burn message or you, you were damned for hell and all the rest of that, that's all true. It's all true. 
But the love of God expressed through you says, look, this isn't the central focus of God that you're going to go to hell. The central focus of God that he gave his life that if you believe, you will live eternally in Christ. Your life will be transformed. Even here on earth, though you experience difficulties, Christ will be with you. Look at verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and doing what? Increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's all say that together. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's say it one more time. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay. Well, let's look at that in the scripture here because that lady I talked about that was at the party yesterday, that's what happened to her. She took a freedom weekend. She increased in the knowledge of God. And when that happens, you find out he's way better than you ever thought he could be. You find out that he actually is very specific, that he knows the amount of hair that's on your head. He knows where you are. He knows your genealogy. He knows where you've come from. In fact, you were on his mind before you were ever born. In fact, you were on his mind when he created the heavens and the earth. You go, how can that possibly be? He's God. He's God. He's got a big mind. And he calls us to have the mind of Christ. That's right in scripture. So as we read through, we start seeing these scriptures. Look at this. Uh, I, I love the old saying we used to have back in the 60s, and it's probably dated much earlier than that, and some of you will know it, but we used to say, you know, and it, it sounds a little bit, it's kind of christian easy, and it sounds, uh, you know, maybe trite a little bit, I don't know, but it says, we used to say this, we used to say, uh, I can't remember now, it says, uh, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now let's say that in your best southern 1950s accent, ready? God, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now, I want you to preach it to someone next to you. We're going to say the same thing, but look at them and like you're trying to convince them of it. You're imparting this to them. Ready? Look at someone next to you. I know it's a little uncomfortable, but go ahead and do that. You may not even know who they are, but say this. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Now, it's true. It's true. The problem is, though, that it's not settled in everybody's mind. And he's equipping believers to know who God is. To grow in the knowledge of God. Because when you grow in the knowledge of God, you will present Jesus Christ as God. And it will be good. Why don't we talk more about the passages that say Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. When we talk about passages where religious people didn't like being near Jesus, but children did. I mean, children are pretty discerning. If they like somebody, they're probably worthy to be liked. They get it. And they know all about them, and obviously they're not perfect people and everything else, but children kind of get it. They can discern whether you're, you're, you don't like children, and they'll... Uh, They'll stay away from you. Uh, you know, you're not reaching out to them, whatever. But when Jesus came into town, the children chased after him. They loved him. Why? Because that's who God is. So let's look a little bit more here about who he is. And in Matthew 24, we just want to establish his words right now. Talk about his words. But it says in Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So he can be trusted. I mean, over in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus uses a parable. Most of the parables are descriptions about what God's like. If you read the parables, you start to understand more about God. You know, we have our religious views of what God's like, but you read the parables, you're like, oh, okay. So Jesus goes around explaining it in kind of, uh, kind of quasi-cryptic terms that people had to figure out. They didn't totally understand him, would have to ask questions. Even his disciples, over 30 times in the New Testament, it says something of this order. It says, and they did not know what he said. They knew not what manner of saying this was. I think that's in the book of John. Over 30, 30 times. Twelve guys are following Jesus, and he'd turn around to them and start talking to them, and they'd be like, 
John, what's he talking about? I don't know. Just smile at him as you listen to him. I don't know. I don't know. What it, is, that, is that for us? Is that for someone else? I don't know. And so he, he wanted something that had to be unpacked. And so he communicated things like, like uh, the word of God, when you, when you listen and understand and imbibe and take on God's word and says, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. So Jesus says, it's like a man who builds his house on a rock. He specifically interprets that. That's somebody who hears and does the word of God, where the word of God not only has come into the ears, but has become a part of a personal culture and is expressing the realness of who God is. That person is like a person who builds their house on a rock. And the rains come and the winds come and all this other stuff, and the waves come, everything else smashing against this house. But we know from, from children's ministry growing up, if you went to it, but the house on the rock stood firm, right? But the foolish man, that was the wise man, foolish man builds his house upon the sand. I've done a lot of that with my kids down in Florida when they were little, building sand castles and things like that. They're temporary. The closer to the water you build them, the shorter their lifespan is. The erosion begins to come in. It kind of licks up against that castle, but all of a sudden one rogue wave comes in and splat. And so he says, these are the people that listen but do not do. So it hasn't actually, they're, they're surface kind of followers, they're surface people, and Jesus talks about them, but he's, again, he's talking about the nature of God, that belief in God is rock solid, it is not built upon sand, and so are the followers of Jesus Christ. So he goes through and he talks about this, then he goes to, here's another one, Psalm 125. I love this, I heard a song written with these exact words, and it, it runs through my head every time I, I, I read it. It says this, Psalm 125 says this, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever as the mountains surround Jerusalem. I've been there. There's, there's there decent mountains, kind of hills, but yeah, I get what they're saying. The mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. That's a scripture you can hang on to. He said it, I believe it, that settles it. I will not be moved regardless of what I face this week. I'll not be moved even if it seems like everything around me is being eroded. Me, myself, and I, we've established ourselves on a rock of belief in knowing who God is and being the ambassadors that he's called us to be. So, Genesis 3. Going through a lot of verses here today. There's an epic dilemma here. This dilemma is, is that there's another voice, and that voice is the devil, one of rebellion. He questions your trust in God. In Genesis 3, classic uh, uh, passage that demonstrates the very uh, origins of original sin and how it happened. In chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, during creation, everything's all done, all set up, perfect. It's been staged. It looks beautiful. Fruit trees over here, beautiful trees over here, the gardens over here. Okay, we've got animals there that are friendly. Uh, we've, got, we've got Adam and Eve there. We've created them. And then this, this voice comes in. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Now remember, back at the beginning, something I forgot to share right at the beginning. Remember, in the beginning of creation, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be a firmament. God said, let waters be gathered together. God said, I have given you everything. God is speaking things into existence that are still here today. So fast forwarding ahead of this over in Genesis, uh, the devil comes along with a different idea. And I'll tell you right now, there's all kinds of things that are going to be sown into your life over your lifetime if you're building upon a rock, you're going to be fine. If you're not, you're going to feel erosion. The tree roots will eventually reach into your basement. 
It says here, has, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's twisting the words. He does that a lot. Did you know the devil likes using scripture? Yeah, he does. I mean, even when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it was scripture. He distorts it. If you would just, he quotes out of Psalms and says, if you would throw yourself down, will not the angels come and bear you up, you know? And Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord. I mean, it's this sword fight going on back and forth with the devil and his knowledge. Let me tell you, the devil knows scripture better than you do. He lived in heaven for a long time. He was the worship leader of heaven. He get it. He gets it. He understood in some capacity who God really was and what his nature really was. But here he's the deceiver. He's the twister. He will tell people when everyone loves you, he will tell people that everyone does not love you. He will speak lies in your mind. That person doesn't care for you. See how they walk right by you? They didn't shake your hand. I mean, there's a distortion. He distorts constantly and he bombards us. It's like a social media of hell. He, bump, he bombards you. We just, yeah, this, this is what they are thinking. This is what's going on in their mind. Look at their, that Facebook quote, that Instagram quote right there. That's really about you. I mean, they posted that about you. I mean, it's amazing what we can draw into our minds and think that people are thinking about us. You know, what that is, you need to know at its core, it's not God. And some of us even distort that a little bit. Go, maybe it's the Lord telling me that I need to repent. You know, and maybe it is the Lord telling you, not in that way, but he may be dealing with you, but the enemy's using it to bring condemnation. God brings life. He wants to steal. He wants to rob. He wants to destroy your destiny. He'll tell you you're never going to feel better. He'll tell you you'll never be healed. He'll tell you you always will be poor. But as you draw close to the nature of God, you realize I am his and he is mine. I am his and he is mine. And something about that rock understanding will lead you through every valley of shadow of death. And everyone in this room is in one level of a shadow of death in your life. Somebody is saying something. Somebody is judging you. Somebody is holding you. Somebody unfriended you. I didn't think that would bother me until someone did that years ago. And I was like, how stupid, unfriending. And then someone unfriended me like, what, what happened? What did I say? I'm sorry. Please don't unfriend me. I even appealed to him and said, why did you unfriend me? Can, can I be your friend again? And they said, no. What, how do I deal with that? The Bible doesn't talk about social media. Well, you deal with it with understanding that I'm yours, you're mine. And the banner over me is love. Woo! I think I could live on that. I'm yours, you're mine. Your banner over me is love. But the devil's deceiving. Didn't he tell you that... You could not eat of every, you know, he puts not and no in his statements a lot. He's a negative person. He's a negative entity. And he'll start out with what you can't do, what you should have done, the coulda, shoulda, wouldas of your life. He will destroy you with condemnation. And if you go down that trail, there's nothing but death in your life. But if you refute it, the Bible says in James, submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the devil. So listen to the two-part of the equation here, submit yourself to the Lord, the knowledge of God, who he is, he loves me. And sometimes you have to repeat that over and over in your life, the Lord loves me. My wife does it right now, but the Lord loves me. That's not a personal illustration, but anyway. But the Lord loves me. You know, I mean, sometimes you've got to repeat that. You, you've, got to, you've got to soak in the word of God. If you're not in scripture, you are not going to be empowered in the moment of temptation. Because everything that came out of Jesus' mouth, who was the Son of God, is God himself, was Scripture. So we read Scripture not so we can say, oh, I read Scripture every day. I do the Scripture of the day. I do a chapter every day. I try to read through the entire book every year. The Pharisees did that. There's no life in that. What it is is when you realize the Word of God is your life, you read it out of uh, survival, if I'm going to survive and thrive in this thing called planet Earth, I need to know God's worth because it said it's so powerful, it will divide your soul from good and from evil. So the serpent says this to the woman in Genesis 3. And the woman said to the serpent, 
we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. See, she's starting off good. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Eve, one point. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. She's, she's now adding something to what God said. He never said she couldn't touch it. He just said that tree. There may have been a thousand trees in the garden. And he said, just don't, don't eat that tree. It's so that she, she, you can walk in established conviction that God is the ruler of your life. And, and this isn't some kind of idol worship. You love God. So uh, he put a boundary there. I'm not going to cross that boundary. It gives you free choice. You should not eat it, nor you touch it, lest you die. That is fake news. The enemy cranks out fake news every day into your life and into your family. My children will never serve the Lord. Oh, no, they're varying off. I was like that, you know, when I was, in my, uh, when I was younger. And you go, oh, no. And you overreact and say, why? Why did you hang out with them? Why did you come over there? We were praying for you all night long. It just doesn't feel like the secure, rock-solid, built person. That's sand. But those are on the rock. They go, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. My mother prayed for me so much. It's why I'm here today. I think she's still praying for me in heaven, actually. I mean, she, she prayed like on her knees, crying out to God. So did my grandmother. They prayed. When they prayed, the house shook, literally. I used to lay in the other room at my grandmother's house in West Virginia. And she would pray, and she'd go through the whole family praying. She'd go, Lord, and she'd name people. Uh, Junior, who's my uh, mom's brother, she'd pray for him. She'd pray for Olaf. We got great names in our family. Olaf, you know, Olaf always was the challenge, you know. And she spent a lot of time on Olaf and, and, and prayed for Harold. Harold, you know, and she went through, and then she'd work her day down, way down to another generation. I'd be laying there in my little bed, hearing through those paper-thin walls as she and her husband, Everett, were storming heaven and praying. They prayed out loud like they were preaching. Really hard to sleep in the next room. And they'd work through. They'd go, and we'd pray, Lord, for Mitch and Michael, and they'd work through that side of the family and then come over here to, and we'd pray for Chris, Lord, that you would touch him powerfully. That's my brother. And then Pam, Lord, you would move through. I could hear going through like, like the, the, the legacy of their lives, you know. And then they'd go, and little Steve, <laughs> this precious little boy. I don't know if that's what she said, but I imagine that. Lord, just continue to use him in his development at eight years old. I'll tell you, it, it undergirded my strength and my conviction that I come from a family for generations that have said, let's choose Jesus Christ. It is a rock that will withstand every wind, every wave, every fire, everything that comes in your life. Stand strong, Bethel, Cleveland. Yeah. Genesis 2.16 said, And the Lord commanded the man saying, the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, this is what really happened, you may freely eat. So Jesus doesn't start off by saying, do not eat of that one tree over there. All the rest of the trees you can eat from. I don't like it. But if you need something, don't take a bunch of it. Just take like one, just what you need to eat. I don't want to go around seeing a bunch of apple cores that are, you know, you haven't eaten every part of the apple core. Or I'm going to come by and I'm going to say, eat the rest of this. This is how we view God. But listen to his language here. This is what the Lord really said. The Lord said, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. I think it had power to it. I think he said, and guess what? Every tree you see, you can freely eat of. What, what a, that's a kid in the candy store. Eat freedom, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from that. See, it's right over there. Everybody look. See, it's right over there, and you point not where the camera is. It's right over there. You shall not eat, for in that day you eat it, you shall surely die. And the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. He overtly goes against the word of God. 
He will do that in your life. He will tell you, you'll say, well, no, Scripture says, that's not what Scripture says. Are you a Hebrew scholar? How do you know what that's really saying? It was written for another group of people in a different time. But the Bible says that it's anointed throughout the ages. And then if I, oh, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's not what he's going to do. God is actually tricking you. Because if you do eat from that tree, you're going to be like him. Really? Really? This is what the conversation is. You will not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Guess what? He was right. <laughs> Their eyes were open to a reality they didn't want to know. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate, and she also gave her husband fruit, and he ate also. This is the work of of the devil. Right now in our country and through the nations of the world, there's being sown. I mean, you look at what's going on in Disney right now. You called about the war on Disney. My goodness. People thinking it was a safe place to send your kids. And then you see some of the videos that are coming out about people that are in charge and producing the stuff are joyfully saying, oh, we'd like to just throw some, you know, gender stuff in there and show some people in the background kissing one another of same sex. And I mean, you're like, What? What is going on? And, and they're like joyful. They're excited about it. Like, oh, yeah, that's one of the reasons I took this job, you know, is so that we can weave that in there. And you're thinking, this, this, is not, this is not right. And in that kind of a culture where we're questioning which one, I think we're at 400 genders right now. It was 80 about three months ago, but there's somehow they come up with more. It's some that I never heard of. I just turned to Cindy and said, what does that mean, you know? But you Google it, and I don't even think there's a definition for it yet. But it's so expansive. And when you have curriculum and people saying that, that uh, to children, third grade and under, telling them that uh, it's not about what you see physically in your body that determines your gender. It's, it's how you feel, what you feel that you are. We heard a statistic yesterday. 70% of young people that are confused about their identity, if they do not pursue some kind of a transformation on that, that 70% of them will actually go back to, they'll fall back in line with understanding who they are. It's just, it's just childhood. People have different thoughts during childhood. Is there people that really have gender, attra same-sex attraction? Of course there is. You know, these people, people that need help? Yeah, every one of us need help in one area or another. Can we not have compassion toward them and reach out and love them, but let's not continue to teach our children that that's the way you want to go. You say, well, that's an American issue. Well, then as an American, I say it. But as a Christian, I say, this is the kind of stuff that erodes famous cultures. Rome fell because of it. Greece fell because of it. The Greek empire fell. It goes way back. I don't know about the Persians. I'd have to check that out. But in my studies, and I look back, I go, these are the seeds of the collapse of a great empire, be it Europe, be it America, be it Asia, wherever it might be. And so these things are important, but if you do not know, if you don't understand scripture, if you don't understand how God is, and the, and the amazing thing is they lacing it in love, and you got, you got Christians that are angry. I mean, so you're going to go for the loving, caring, LBGTQ people, or you're going to go for the angry, mean Christians? Seriously. Isn't that supposed to be flipped? I mean, LBGTQ, whatever they believe and whatever they want to do, it's, it's up to them, obviously. But believers in Jesus Christ who have inculcated the very spirit of God and the power and consciousness of who Jesus Christ is, there should be something powerful in us that literally starts to salt the entire society. That everyone around us starts to say, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I never thought of that. You're right. I'm so glad you opened your mouth and said that at lunch hour or whenever it is or break or on a Zoom call or whatever. You speak into those things. You do like Peter. You take your stand and you lift your voice. Why? Because you are a demonstration of the very nature of who God is. The Bible says, back, uh, yeah. So he distorts the knowledge of God. That's way back to Colossians that I first read about. In Corinthians, it says, of course, I read this a week ago and maybe even two weeks ago. But I'm going to read it again. It says, 2 Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but they're mighty in God for pulling down. This shows action here. This is in your own mind. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself. About what? About what? Against the knowledge of God. So the enemy slips in and says, oh, God loves gay people too. And you go, I could say he does. (laughs) Yes, that's good. But it's not being said to speak of that as a blessing. It's being said to shut up people who might have different opinions of how things go. And so you're learning like, okay, can we use the right language? Can we speak the right things? Can we change our attitudes and love people regardless of where they are and begin to minister to them? And demonstrate that when you're around Christians, you feel loved. That is the nature of God. God in heaven left his place to come down among us. He gave himself, gave his son, and and, in scripture says he gave himself. He gave himself, came down, walked amongst, amongst us, died for our sins. It's the same nature that he's imprinting in each one of us. That we leave where we are in a sense of, our safety and our security and the thing that says, well, I don't want anybody to say anything. I mean, what's really, what business is, is it of mine? What other people believe? We're not attacking them. You're trying to learn. Who, tell them what, who God really is. That he loves you. And that he wants to forgive all of us. All of us are marked with the same, tainted with the same brush of sin and separation from God. But God in his mercy came to each one of us and people sitting next to you probably have gross sins in their life just like each one of us does. Things they shouldn't have done but they did. But the love and nature of God is forgiveness. So rather than talking about what all is wrong, let's talk about what all is right and how God is moving in love and mercy and grace in every person's life and how he will change a nation if we get to that place. So the evil one's out there. Every thought of the knowledge of God, you take every thought into captivity and the obedience of Jesus. And finally, finally, what does this all really boil down to? It boils down to Jesus saying when he ascended that you would be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. It's interesting that Jesus' last words are about us getting out of ourselves. I mean, I know we like to cloister away, particularly after the pandemic, we've all become monks. Zoom calls, you know, there's no really pressing the flesh retail uh, sales anymore, you know, it's, it's, well, I'll Zoom you, I'll connect with you that way, you know, it's so much easier and you can wear your shorts, you know, and it doesn't really matter, or your, your uh, sweatpants or something like that. And Jesus says, you will be witnesses, you will be lights, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. And, and our lives begin to speak implicitly, and explicitly, in other words, indirect and direct, everything is about Jesus Christ. We become ambassadors of Christ. Second Corinthians 5 says this. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. This is a description of the spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. As though, so we're ambassadors of Christ. That means we represent God. How's your life representing God right now, Steve Witt? How's your life representing God? How's what you do representing the nature of God and who he is? So as ambassadors of Christ, who are as if they're from another country, but represent all the culture and all the beliefs and all the understanding and all the gifts and all the fruit of that culture called the kingdom of God, that's in you as a believer. We are ambassadors sent out by Jesus Christ, Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world, as though God was pleading through us. I love that verse. We're the glove he puts on. As though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. Well, that's a confirmation right there. Be reconciled to God. Here's the deal. We come to gatherings like this. We're a church. The first thing we need to do really, you know, the Bible says the, the, uh, the Shema, the, uh, the uh, two major sum up commandments of Scripture is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. That second one is really interesting. Love your neighbor. So, okay, we love God, we love our neighbor. Actually, it goes we love God, 
to love ourselves, we love our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't like you, you're going to have a hard time demonstrating God to other people. The love of God, when you get a full understanding of the love of God for you, not for people that you see and you go, well, of course God loves them. I mean, they're, they're cool people or they're this or they're that or whatever, you know. But when you realize he loves you, it is an earth-shaking dynamic that happens in your life. Now love flows out of you. It's so much easier to love when you know who, that God loves you. Let's all stand together if we could. <clears throat> Yeah, Jesus. Let's just wait a minute in his presence. I'm only five minutes over this week. It's pretty good. I'm cutting it down. I'm going to get there to the half hour. We just wait in the presence of God right now. Jesus. Holy Spirit. This is a Holy Spirit week. We're having a conference Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's going to be powerful. But the Holy Spirit's here right now. We just invite the Holy Spirit in the room. Because Jesus said that he would reveal, actually in Corinthians it says, everything, the things we have not imagined, asked, seen, or imagined. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us about God, the nature, the goodness of God. This is in Romans 1, that he will express, that he will, de- oh, what's it say? He declares his divine attributes through nature. That's why it's good to go for a walk. Go for a walk and learn about God. I watch YouTube videos and I learn about it. Watch one the other day of a little chicken in a pen and a hawk came down. You have to watch it. I could share it with you if you need it. A hawk comes down, attacks the chicken. Did you see that? It's pretty popular, like 15 million views. Attacks the chicken. You're like, oh, no, I don't want to watch this. But all of a sudden another chicken comes out and helps the chicken. And then a goat comes and starts butting this this hawk off of the chicken. And then finally a horse comes out and he starts kicking and the horse falls on the ground. I mean, this is warfare. And I looked at that and I said, thus is the kingdom of God. I want to be around a bunch of goats and chickens and horses that'll help me when the hawk comes. So Holy Spirit, come right now. Move across this crowd. Lord, there are people that are suffering greatly. I've already seen it, Lord. I just ask, Lord, you would move in our hearts right now. May they feel the gentle wind and wave of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I just feel it right now. It's like laying on the beach. I love, I love church. I love the gathering of believers. It's like a, it's like a beach experience of the sun, the light, the wind, the waves. We bless it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now across this room, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you are here for that reason today. Really. You may just thought, oh, a friend invited me, or, hey, I saw this, I drove by and saw this church. Uh, we've had so many stories of people driving by and feeling compelled by the building. It's like, what? Yeah. And they come in like, wow, once I got in there, I thought, well, this is cool. There's people here that really love and care for one another. Well, if you're here today and you're far away from that, maybe even one time in your life you were a follower of Jesus Christ, but something happened. It happens to a lot of people. And you wander off. You're like the sheep that was lost. You know what, you know what the nature of God is with a sheep that's lost? To leave the 99 and go for the one. That's the nature of God. The nature of God may have 99 but he cares for the one that's in need right now. That one may be you. Jesus, when he was demonstrating to the Pharisees about the goodness and nature of God, he says a woman had a coin. She lost it, a coin of great value. She lost it. She sweeps the house, lights a lamp, sweeps the house. Like she takes action. There's, there's, there's just this initiative to say, I want to touch people that are lost. God's bringing that upon us as a church in a more powerful way, that we will imbibe the very nature of God caring for people that are hurting deeply. If you're here today and you're hurting, you say, I need Jesus. This is what we, the cliche we use in America, it's a come to Jesus moment, but this is really the moment. 
I'm going to come to Jesus. And I'm going to show you how in just a minute. It's going to be really quick. But over here on my left, I'm looking out. Your right, my left. This group right down there. Yeah, all of you right here. Somebody in here, I know there's someone here that's away from the Lord, or you've never come to Jesus. You don't even really know what we're talking about on that. If you just raise your hand right now, we're not going to embarrass you in any way, but I want to know who you are so we can pray for you. Over here in this section, you just raise your hand real quick, and I'll see it, and we're going to pray for you. Anyone here, I don't want to miss you. If anyone sees a hand, I don't. Let me know. That happens every Sunday. All right, anyone just raise your hand? All right, good. How about here in the center? Anyone? You do not know Jesus, or maybe you did know him, you wandered off. Right now's your time, right now here in this center. If you just raise your hand. You know, there's several people saying, I want to do it, but I'm waiting for someone else to do it first. So be that first person right now. Be that trendsetter that raised their hand and says, I need Jesus in my life right now. Anyone here, just raise your hand. We had like four people last week. Over Easter weekend, 31 people gave their hearts to the Lord. Anyone right here, just raise your hand. I don't want to miss you. If we get some of our ministry team up here in the front, over here on this right, my right, your left. Right, my right, your left, right here. Anyone in this section, you say, I am feeling, you know how you can usually tell that you're one of those people? Your heart starts beating fast. It's like butterflies, you know, you're like, oh, man, I don't know, what is this I'm feeling, you know? It's the wooing, loving presence of God through his Holy Spirit. And if you just raise your hand right now, we're gonna pray for you. And we want to give you a book and just bless you. Anyone here on this side over here? Got about 15 more seconds here. I'm already over. The turkey's burning, so we need to we need to go here. Anyone, just raise your hand. Say, please pray for me. Please remember me. All right, good. We have teams up here that we've trained and equipped. Uh, they'll pray for you for anything. Uh, they'll prophesy over you. They'll pray for physical healing. Tell them you have financial needs, whatever. Just tell them, and they're going to unite together and pray for you. God, they've been trained to to see what God sees and hear what God's hearing and to minister to you. So as soon as we dismiss in about two minutes here, feel free to come on up here. If your friends and family are with you, they can wait for you or you can bring them up with you. Just come on up. We do it every week. Go up, stand in front of anyone you like. It's like a grocery line. Just tell them what your needs are. They're going to pray for you. They're going to minister to you. I promise you, you will feel the touch of God in your life. Let me bless you right now. Is there anything else, Jay, we need to say? I bless you and you're rising up, you're lying down, you're coming in, you're going out, that the presence, grace, and mercy of God would richly rest upon you every moment of every day of this week. You will, you will see it in nature. You'll see it in people around you. You're going to see it everywhere around you, the hint, the fingerprint of God, the knowledge of God. And may it fully imbibe you that you may walk in the knowledge of God. I bless you as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for coming today. Love you dearly. you need anything, check out BethelCleveland.com. Call our pastors. Anything that you need, we'd be glad to minister to you. Get involved. We'd love to get to know you. And make sure you chat with a few people on your way out. If you need ministry, come up here to the front. We have our teams waiting. They'll wait about five more minutes. You're welcome to come up and get some ministry. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.